The planet is restless, Captain. They want their podcast. And they shall have it. I'll beam down to the surface. You have the bridge. Captain, that is illogical. These are Trek fans. They will challenge and dissect your knowledge with great emotion. It is a mission fraught with danger, peril, and grave risk. Suggestions. Send in the Red Shirts. Ladies and gentlemen, the Red Shirts are back. We're back on the USS Internet. Let me just go ahead and introduce the, uh, the crew to one and all. We're going to start off with the one, the only, Big Sexy. How are you today, sir? I am fantastic. It is Grammy weekend. My client is up for an award. Let's see what he can do. Are you, so you're going to sit through the, the whole show, huh? I didn't say all that. Okay. <laughs> that, that sounds more like it. Okay. <laughs> Next, we have Craig J. Johnston, otherwise known as Craig J. How are you, sir? Seems like I'm, I sound like the same name there. <laughs> well, Craig. it's... It's a little it's Craig, bit... otherwise known as Craig. But anyway, hi everybody. Good <laughs> no, it's Craig J. You know, J A Y. It's a little bit more yes. hip hop, a little bit more, you know, uh, you know. Little, an unknown fact that you probably don't know about me, Mike, is that uh, when I was born, my parents were fighting over what my name should be. So my mother wanted me to be called Craig, and my mm-hmm. father wanted me to be called James. Oh. So uh, so he went to do the registration for my ID document or whatever, he put James Craig. So uh, all throughout my you know, first years of school, I would be called James, and I wouldn't understand why, because everybody else called me Craig. But my, my official name was James Craig. How's, about, how's that for a weird story? Your official name was James Craig? Yes, for like a number of years. Oh, what, did you change it or something? Or? My parents changed it because everybody called me Craig, which was what oh. my name was supposed to be. So your so, so your mom your mom won out in the end. Sounds like basically. But I mean, okay. my father did the whole thing where he went down. He's like, I ah, screw everybody. I'm gonna call him James. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. Well, I think Craig James rolls off the tongue better. But James, it does. You'd, you'd have much more of a connection to Star Trek, of course. Exactly. Exactly. I should just make my middle name Tiberius and be yeah, done. No, nah, don't, don't. I don't recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> and people, people, people. If I had a drum roll, I would I would cue it up right now. We have an extra special guest on the show today. I'm not going to ride him too much, but uh, <laughs> pause. <laughs> this is my man, people. Um, he's like a brother to me. Uh, he's definitely my podcast mentor. He is the host and creator of the Michael Dean Show podcast, Juice the Prince podcast. Mr. Michael Dean, sir, how are you? Man, th- I'm good. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. I'm, I know this is the red shirt, so I have my red, black, and green shirt on today. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I'm representing, <laughs> and I am the, the love child uh, between James Kirk and Aurora. That was oh, okay. an episode that didn't air, you know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I suggest, now see, the red shirts, we will travel the galaxy, but we don't go to Compton, so I would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> so I just 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 a caveat. I just want to say, I met Michael Dean and Big Sexy at the same time because I was a listener to the Prince podcast, and you had just started a show called Geeked Out, and you had the Freedom Train board chat boards, and I typed in that Big Sexy let me down when you guys did a um, a battle between Star Wars and Star Trek, 
And I said, Big Sexy, how could you forget about Q? He could wipe out the whole Star Wars universe. Yeah, he could. And that's how, and that's how my, Michael Dean said, hey, man, you want to come on the show? Hilarious. Now, I have to be careful because Mr. Dean is a podcast. I mean, he's a podcast beast in his own right. So if I stumble or something like that, he's going to get on his Commander Shelby. Oh, no, this is your house. <laughs> he, he'll be like, if you can't make the right decisions, get yeah. out of the way for someone who can't. So... Damn. I got to be on my P's and Q's today. Now, I will say, I, I, will, I do have to expose one thing about Mr. Dean. He he is, he's a Star Wars head. Now, <clears throat> now, now, see, for me, I, I have no problem with that. We welcome one and all. So, well, big... well, can I add to say that, I, yeah, I adore Star Wars, but that doesn't mean that I don't like Star Trek, like, Trick. Hey, you ain't got to hey, own it, man. Own it. You don't have to clean anything so up. I, 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 you know, I, I'm on my Star Trek, and I've watched all the stuff, and I'm, I'm on board. Well, I just bleed Star Wars. How about that? Well, Mike, yeah. t- just just um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. We, you know, everyone knows the regular crew. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, what can I say? I am uh, a 47 year old father. Wow, he putting his age out there too. Okay, own it, man. Uh. <laughs> Three kids. Um, hey, I uh, had time being a uh, performer. Used to be a rapper. Uh, man, what else? I don't know. Uh, started podcasting about 12 years ago. Uh, I've been going strong with that with the Prince Podcast. And met uh, Q Storm, Mike, through doing podcasting. And same with uh, Big Sexy. And, man, I'm just happy to be here. And, you know, hey, let's let's get on this voyage. Well, listen, he's being very modest. Now, he and I clown each other to death, but I respect the man. He's being very modest. Uh, his Prince podcast, obviously, it's about the artist uh, Prince. That thing is blowing up. I highly recommend go check it out. You can go to podcastjuice.net. He interviewed um, Eric Leeds. He's interviewed Tyka Nelson. Uh, I mean, Mike, come on. I can't even think of all the people. Uh, Andre Simone. So yeah. we're all Trekkies here, but, you know. We got you got a few musicians and a, a few um, music lovers here too. So if you like, if you're into music, check out the Prince podcast. So yeah, I appreciate that. Man. And yeah, I'm huge. Sci- I'm huge sci-fi head. So there I'm you just go. Into all of it. There you go. Babylon AD. Shout out to. Okay. <laughs> you can keep Babylon. <laughs> you can keep that one. So now before we get into the main topic today, um, Big Sexy, Big Sexy went on a um, away mission. He came back with some. Um, with some data. So obviously somebody screwed up because he shouldn't have come back. He's a red shirt. Well, no, but no. But see, have you seen Big Sexy? <laughs> yeah, he but might he's be a red shirt. To the rule. <laughs> Maybe. Um, he, he went on an away mission, came back with some distressing data. He found a photo. Photo, I forget the website that it was on. Uh, Trek News. Trek News, yes. How could I forget that? Damn, okay. So a new photo has surfaced showing what is believed to be the look of the Klingons that will be taking that that we will see in the Star Trek Discovery with Sonequa and Martin Green. Uh have you all seen this photo? I don't think you saw it, Mike, right? Actually I'm looking at it right now. You're looking at it right now. Okay. Wow. All right, listen. Makes me sad. Listen. Let, let's just get into it real we're not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but let's get into it. Craig, thoughts. 
Well, it goes very much from what I say in previous shows. If we're going to have a show that's a prequel to the original series, we can't go about changing the way aliens look and all that kind of stuff. And this is apparently what we're seeing here. We are seeing Klingons, which don't look anything like Klingons did in the 60s. So if this really is Klingons, it's a bit sad. But I will say one thing. There's a guy standing all the way on the left of the photo. It looks like a British... He looks like a British soldier or British uh, um, executive. If you have, if you look the way his coat coat falls, so mm. that's mm-hmm. sort of interesting. They model them, seem to model them after British soldiers. So maybe they are the invaders, right? Because they used to be the invaders, the British. They sort of took over the whole planet at one point. So maybe they're modeling the uniforms after the British, and and because the Klingons are the invaders. Well, the the photo I saw, the uniforms, they looked like metallic. They almost looked like something that H.R. Geiger would have designed for Alien. Um, yeah. Yes, the yeah, you're right. Guy. Big Sexy. You. Thoughts? Don't like it. That's simple. Uh, again, it's like Craig said, you know, if they're going to go back to a time before, you know, the original series took place, and this is in continuity, assuming, then this is wrong. You know, they should have had the Klingons look like they did back in the day. And then if you want to build up from that, you know, to a point that took place after the original series and before the motion picture, fine. But this, no, this is bull. This looks like a bunch of guys from Alien dressed <laughs> up as aliens running around. Uh, Mike, you got anything in this race? Yeah, well, let me ask this question, because this is one thing I don't know. Does the TV series, is it following the classic you know, TV series yes. continuity, or it's, is this to the... Oh, so it's not the movies. It's not the, the new... Tuesday Airbus crap? No. It's, okay. okay. Well, <laughs> I, I'll say this one thing. It does look off-putting. Um, I hesitate sometimes to uh, give opinions to these, like, set photos, because it's sort of taken out of, so far out of context in the way it's lit. You know, I don't know if these are the actual Klingons, or is this some... You know what I mean? I don't know, but it, it doesn't look like what I... You know, expect. I will agree to that. Uh, but I am still curious to see what this is all about. Uh, they just look so different. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's an odd thing. But I don't know where they're going with this or, or what it is. Because I, I mean, they have official people that are associated with this show, right? Like in terms of producing and mm-hmm. and writing it. So I, I would wonder. Like they should know. Like, you know, the fan base. It's going to look at this sideways, so I don't know, maybe there's some explanation of why they look like that, but uh, there you go. Well, my take is, it's bullshit. <laughs> um, these don't look like Klingons. Klingons ridges, I know, well, I'll see, I'm going to get geeked out. See, Mike, we do this geeked out thing for Trek here now. Klingons ridges, they protrude, as far as I can tell, only on the forehead. And they, the ridges, I think they are a part of the spine, but they're not exposed, or they're not they don't protrude on the back of the head down the neck like this, all right? These creatures look more like the Jim Hadar. Someone pointed that out in one of the comments sections of something, that one of the links here. They look more like the Jim Hadar from DS9. <clears throat> and these uniforms look like something that the new Aquaman would be wearing. I don't know. I mean, Klingons have a traditional armor. <clears throat> and this is not it. This, ah. See, here's the problem. You're going, what they don't understand is they're going into this behind the eight ball. Okay? So doing this kind of stuff is not going to help them. Now, 
I mean, if I could maybe throw out some sort of bone, maybe this is what the Klingons looked like before the virus hit that took away their ridges and maybe the cure for that virus gave us the Klingons that we know from mm -hmm. the original, from the original, uh, the, the movie series. Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. I was actually thinking of another possible theory, even on planet Earth, the Homo sapiens and the Neanderthals existed on the same planet and we looked a little bit different from each other. Mm -hmm. And eventually we sort of Homo sapiens prevailed and we got rid of the Neanderthals. Neanderthals. And so maybe the same thing is with the Klingons. They were two closely related species of Klingon. And in the original series, we saw the one species, and here we're seeing the other one. Uh, I, I'll give you props for I, I'll give you credit. <laughs> I need to become a screenwriter, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what? I gotta go with uh, I gotta go with one of our uh, the members of the podcast Juice Forum. Uh, we gotta wait and see. We have no choice. But I, I'm little. I'm a little concerned. I was concerned, and this leads us into what we're gonna talk about next. I was concerned about the look of the Klingons in Into Darkness. I had a problem with that. But uh, mm. wow, this this sets us back. Uh, we'll we'll see. We will see. The thing is, what I like about it is it looks great, though. If you just forget about the fact that if they are the Klingons, they don't look anything like the Klingons from the original series. They do look pretty cool, though. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. I, I'll give you that. They, but don't they look very alienish? The, the one guy sitting to the right of the table, with his back, his back to the camera, that bulbous head he has—that looks like, looks like something right out of H.R. Geiger. You know what it reminds me of is uh, my man Lou Gossett Jr. Oh, uh, <laughs> enemy mine. Enemy mine. <laughs> What my friends does look like that. <laughs> what my friends uh, when we, when I was back in high school, we used to lovingly refer to as Emini Mine because <laughs> it was so yeah. stupid, uh, or Enema Mine. But anyway, um, all right. So, moving Ooh. on to the main the main course today. Um, and listen, if you go back to all of our shows, you go to iTunes, shameless plug. Go to iTunes and download those joints, and subscribe and leave a review. But if you go and listen to those shows, you'll notice that we at no point discuss the uh, what we call what they call the Kelvin Universe Trek. That is the new series of films, the three films produced by J.J. Abrams. Uh, <laughs> and there was a there was a reason for that. I didn't want to jump into that pool right away because we were kind of finding our legs, finding our feet. You know, I didn't want to jump into the deep end. But we, you knew it. You knew it was coming. We had to do it. just like the Borg. You knew they were coming. You had time to prepare. So we're gonna jump right in. We're gonna compare the Kelvin Trek to oh. the to the Berman Trek. Burden Berman Roddenberry Prime Prime Trek. So all right. So we have what ten? Well, you know we're gonna keep this to uh, to the Kirk the Kirk era. So we have what six? Uh, Kirk films, and we have, of course, the series, the original series, versus the three films uh, from Abrams' camp, okay? So that's that's our distinction there, okay? Now, we're just going to go down the line with this, and uh, I want to start off with the guests, because I know, Mike, I know you've seen at least all three of the uh, Kelvin 
Star Trek mm-hmm. films. And the reason it's called the Kelvin timeline is because at the beginning of the original Star Trek film by Abrams, directed by Abrams, what changed the timeline, the concept was the timeline was changed from what we know as the original series Trek because the I think it was the USS Narada that was piloted by Romulan. I forget his name. He attacked the USS Kelvin, which was uh, George Kirk's ship. And because of that battle, it created a new timeline. So it's called the Kelvin timeline. So, Mike, just give me your general thoughts about how does the new Trek, how does the new Trek franchise uh, weigh against the old Trek franchise? Well, uh, let me let me say this up front: the new movie, the first of the three, I really, I really, I liked that movie at the time. Like, I really uh, enjoyed it. It was fresh to me. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm feeling this. Now, the second movie, uh, it was horrible. Like, I didn't. Just the it didn't earn anything that happens in that movie, and it's just a classic case of let's take something that was successful before and let's just ram it down somebody's throat and <laughs> throw in all the beats, you know, damn all the continuity, damn stories, just get to this part and the new generation will love it. So I, I hated that. Shit. And to be honest, the third one, uh, I still haven't made it all the way through that. Wow. Movie. I, I, I went to go see it at the theater. I saw it at the theater. I fell asleep on parts. <laughs> um, I since have it at home, and I still haven't watched it all the way through. Now, with the, it looks great. They all look great, and I'm not mad at the casting and things of that nature. I understand it, but for some reason, it just doesn't have what it needs to pull me into it. Um, I don't know, and I know you like the third one, uh, Q, uh, so I'm going to give it a chance. But with all of that said, this new trilogy so far... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's sad, man. Actually, I think it's kind of sad because, you know, Star Trek is such a part of American culture, of sci-fi, uh, is respected TV. I love the original TV show, and I love uh, the new gener- next generation, new generation. I don't think... So I think these new movies are made for a very... Uh, low attention span audience uh, made for people, for younger people who are not really familiar with the original stuff or the older material. And it's almost like a whole separate thing to me. Um, so on one hand, with that kind of t- connotation, I say it's it works. If you, you know what I mean? If you're a young person and you've never really watched the older stuff, you may have just kind of flicked past it on Hulu or something. You're like, huh. Oh, Star Trek, I've heard of that before. I've heard of some of the cultural references, you know, Spock, but I never really watched it. This one is made for that audience. And I think for that audience, it's perfect. You know, maybe it's, well, jumpstart them to go visit the original stuff. Um, So in that regards, I think it works for a person like myself and maybe like you who grew up watching the other stuff. uh, I think it's horrible. You know, it is what I don't want to ever see Star Wars become, right? Like, I don't ever want to see it get butchered down to the lowest common denominator, and it's made for a buck. That's what I kind of feel like it is. Uh, so, yeah, I don't care for the original ones. Uh, I do think that there are good qualities about them, but it's hard to jam a couple seasons of a TV show, other movies, 
and other TV series into this two-hour movie and, like, kind of catch you up and make you care about it. Like, I don't I, I don't really care about these characters because I think they're done cheaply and it's just too fast. It's like, well, they have... It would be like, uh, I don't want to go too long, but it would be like taking a comic book movie and I love Spider-Man or, you know, been reading Spider-Man for 30 years. And then a movie comes out and they're going to try and jam 30 years of story of what it means in a two-hour movie. This is impossible. You're not going to respect what it took for them to be here. Uh, so going into it, looking for that, I'm going to be very disappointed. So, yeah, the new ones, compared to the old movies, not even a question. But I will say this. I don't think all the older movies are dope either. You know, I've mm. seen them all. Wow, but, okay. Uh, I adore Wrath of Khan, who doesn't? And a few of the other ones, but it kind of, and I like the one, you know, corny as it was, but when I saw it, when it came out, the one with the whales, Okay. You know, that was the sh- that was the sh- when it came out. Like, I was like, when I saw it three or four times. Wow, okay. Um, but, you know, those movies, I don't know how good they play as much today to me. Like, as much as I like The Wrath of Khan, I did try to watch it last year. And I was kinda, no, I saw it at the theater. When I saw it at the theater, matter of fact. And I was kind of like, eh, okay. You saw it at the theater recently? Maybe it was two years ago, but I did see it at the theater not too long ago. Wow, okay. Um, it was here in Seattle. I, I gotta admit, I I watched uh, Star Trek II late last year, mm-hmm. and to me, it's still the best of all the movies. But it was, I mean, that was the first time I watched it and said, "Wow, it's kind of slow." Yeah, kind of slow. But yeah, yeah, man. Okay, excellent analysis. <laughs> to quote uh, James T. Kirk in Star Trek II, "Don't mince words. Tell us how you really feel." <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so um, hey, well, let me ask you: of the original films with uh, Kirk and crew, okay, so you said you liked four, you liked two. Which ones say would you say weren't that great? Uh, this may be sacrilegious, religious, I don't know, but the first one, okay. because it was such an expectation on it, and I remember going opening night, and I was like, oh, this is it was it was just a big moment for sci-fi too. And, of course, Star Wars was still heavy on the mind. It was such a difference of what I expected. You can, say, you can say... I'm not saying it was a bad movie, but... It was no, no, Mike, Mike, you can keep it real. Keep it real, because we've already reviewed that movie. It, you can say it sucked. <laughs> I, I, I haven't, no... And I haven't seen it in a long time, so I honestly don't remember, like, how... If it's really good now, or if it just really sucked, because it sucked. So I'll take your word for it. You gotta be a die... I mean, I liked it, but I know you have to be a diehard Trek fan to like that movie. And, it was so slow, man. It was like, uh, well, but, put it this way: not one phaser was pulled out, and there was there are no fight scenes at all. So that tells you, yeah. you know. And in Star Trek Five, we that's kind of like Voldemort. We choose not to say its name because uh, <laughs> that one was pretty bad too. But um, what I'm, does God need with a spaceship? <laughs> um. Before I go to Craig, I, I want to just set it up a little bit. I meant to set it up a little bit. Let me just read. This is from Wikipedia, so you know you you can question its veracity. But so the idea for a prequel film, which was follow the Star Trek characters during their time in Starfleet Academy, was discussed by series creator Gene Roddenberry in 1968. So Roddenberry was putting in work a long time ago. 
The concept resurfaced in the late 1980s when it was postulated by Harv Bennett, longtime producer on Trek. It was postulated as a possible plot line for the movie that would become Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. I know that's one of your favorites, Craig. But it was rejected in lieu of other projects by Roddenberry, following the critical and commercial failure of Star Trek Nemesis. And we're going to have to do a show about that because I think Nemesis gets too much hate. It gets too much hate. But um, following the, the uh, failure of Nemesis and the cancellation of the television series Star Trek Enterprise, franchise executive producer Rick Berman and screenwriter Eric Gendrison wrote an unproduced film titled Star Trek The Beginning, which would take place after Enterprise. Shades of Discovery, perhaps. After the separation between Viacom and CBS Corporation, former Paramount President Gail Berman, who I don't know if she has any relation to Rick Berman, convinced CBS to allow Paramount to produce a feature film. Roberto Orsi and Kurtzman, both fans of the Star Trek series, were approached to write the film, and Abrams was approached to direct it. Kurtzman and Orsi used inspiration from novels and graduate school dissertations, okay, as well as the series itself. So just to put it in a little bit of perspective, I don't understand the whole graduate school dissertations, using that as inspiration for the first film in 2009. But, but Craig, so before, I, before I, you uh, get into it, uh, just just a just a note. I believe you and I we took our wives to see this movie um, when we were still neighbors in East Windsor. We saw it uh, right before I moved to Philly, and I had the distinct remembrance that you you liked the movie quite a bit. I know um, Karen, your wife. Uh, I'm pretty sure she liked it. Uh, what was your so What was your take on it? Refresh my memory. You're right. So I liked the movie, but I think I probably told you at the time that I didn't like the fact that they needed to spin off a separate Star Trek universe. Ah, okay. So I'll, I'll tell you what I think about this, right? So, you know, when you watch, when you become involved in a storyline, be it if you're reading a book or watching a TV show or watching a movie, you, you're invested for maybe decades of your life into a story. And I really hate it with a passion when somebody comes along and says, well, we need to quote unquote reboot this thing. So for example, I'm never going to watch the new Ghostbusters because they just pissed all over the original Ghostbusters story. They didn't even try and explain why the new Ghostbusters needed to exist. Mm. Um, things like Total Recall, they just pissed on the original movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Now the original movie was awesome. And then they came along and told a completely different story in when they rebooted it. Or if you could take it to another level where you have the whole Alien series, and then you have the original director coming back and making Prometheus, which I just, I really loved Prometheus, but then they screwed it up at the end because they de deviated from the original storyline. So I don't like that because you're messing around with, with decades old stories. So the way that they created the Kelvin universe, I, I cannot find fault with that because they actually took time to have an explanation for why why are you seeing an alternative universe, okay? So you see that, I ha I cannot fault that, but I can certainly have opinions on what I, what I can see in the Kelvin universe. And what I don't like about the, the stories that are told in the Kelvin universe is they are taking the old stories that we saw, Wrath of Khan, all these other stories, and they're retelling them and changing them. Um, and the second thing I don't like about it is it's a very sterile looking enterprise 
It looks like yeah, an looks Apple like a, store. An Apple. It store. looks like a well, it looks like a hospital actually. And <laughs> um, you know, I, I I prefer science fiction to be more real, and not not that the original Star Trek enterprises looked like they were weathered or anything, but they didn't look like the Kelvin universe, universe one where every, every surface is white and shiny and, you know, it's reflective and everything. So and the third thing I don't like about it is they don't tell the kinds of stories that Star Trek was really made for, which is searching, you know, the human condition and, and you know, challenging religion and, and, and you know, people's concepts of life, racism and things like that. They don't do any of that stuff in the Kelvin stories, Kelvin universe stories. They're just, they're just action movies. So Michael, like you said, they catering to the millennials and they just ignoring the original viewers of the series and, and movies. So, but as I said, I cannot fault it because they did a proper transition, but still, it doesn't mean I have to like the, the way that they're going with the stories. And to be clear, Mike, Mike will be the first person to tell you, we understand this is a business. It's all about catering to the new audience, but I mean, well, okay, before I get on my soapbox, uh, let, let, let's, I'm going to give Big Sexy the con. Uh, now, first, shields up, yellow alert. <laughs> uh, get the, Craig, get those photon torpedoes, <laughs> get them ready. Um, big sexy. Yo. What you got for us, man? <laughs> well, listening to Mike and Craig uh you know, say their uh say their portion also made me come up with a couple more things. It's like this Kelvin universe. Granted they did set up how it comes about. Actually they did it in a in a comic book, actually. That's right. Uh, yeah. which I which I did read and that's how Spock, as we know him showed up there as, you know, like a person from an alternate universe, blah, blah, blah. It's like they're taking the Star Trek canon and giving it the ultimate treatment. It's lazy storytelling. These stories have been told. And when you take someone else's story and retell it, once you've run out of stories from that person, you're lost. You have nowhere to go from there. So that's not going to work. Also, the characters, not even close. You know, there's this one portion... I believe in the second film, because I haven't seen the third film, so it could be the third film, where Uhura is just giving Kirk the riot act. Yep. It's like, you do know you are a lieutenant, and I am a captain, so you will respect the you know, position, if anything else. I don't see that here. Uh, I don't like the casting. I don't like the fact of, and I hate this word, but f*** I'm going to say it, of bastardizing old stories for... Uh, for profit, if you want to do something profitable, then do it. Now, as much as J.J. Abrams gets, gets all this dap for Lost, I thought Lost sucked. Okay, I didn't well, care well, for well. Lost oh, at all. Well, it's okay. uh, yeah, I said uh, it. Uh, I said it. I'm sorry. We cannot have talk uh, wait, 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 wait. I said it. Uh, Craig, Craig, lock phasers. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. May I? We're going to open up a... Uh, we're going to open up hailing frequencies and try to get this back on track. Yeah. Um, We're talking Abrams versus Berman here, right? Right. Yeah, okay. track. <laughs> Let's stick with track. Let's stick with track. We're sticking right. with track. Now, when Roddenberry did the first show, you know, back in the day, he actually came back and was involved in the first couple of seasons, first season, that is. You talking about TNG? Uh, yes. 
then Berman came in uh-huh. and took to a whole nother level. Right. Did he read old stories? No, he did not. He created new things in that canon. Now, converse to Abrams, who I think sucks, he has not done that. Okay, he has not done that. He's taking the same characters, telling the same stories, and not doing anything with them. He is just essentially gravy training on Gene Roddenberry. I'm not impressed. I don't like it. That simple. Well, and sucked. Say it again. Lost sucked. Okay, listen. This is not the Lost podcast. I will say I was a little disappointed in the last season, but you will not cast aspersions on Lost. So a lot of people actually, but I think Michael Dean. What do you think? Uh, I'm not gonna say it sucks. I, I've only I, I just, it lost me. I stepped away from it, and you know the show kept going. So I'm so far behind that. You know, I, I have no opinion. Sucked. <laughs> I understand though its relevance, and I know people are highly respected and love it, so I I feel that too. You know. But see, I mean, I'm glad you said that because the people who did enjoy it, and there are large, <laughs> large numbers of them. I don't know why. And I'm one of them. But most of them have that short attention span. Wow. I said most. Big sexy report to the brig. Craig, uh, can you chart us, of course, back to the conversation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Engage. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Mutiny. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, okay. So listen, one of you hit on it. A- Abrams. Okay. I'm trying to remember the first the first time I was introduced to Abrams. I don't recall what I think it was. Uh, Alias. That's the one of the earliest things he did. And I, I didn't really watch it because I was I wasn't into um, what's her name, Garner Jennifer Garner. Mm-hmm. Did he do Dark Angel? With uh, Jessica. No, 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 that was James Cameron. Actually. Cameron. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So there was Alias, but I knew Alias was very popular. I think the first thing I saw that had, well, besides, okay, there was Lost, which I did love. I was very disappointed in the the end, the last season of it. And they pretty much straight up said, you know, we're not going to answer all your questions, so just live with that, okay? Um, but it was still good. Though. It was good. And then he did, as if, I, if I'm correct, he did Mission Impossible 3, which I would arguably say is one of the top, top of the um of that franchise so i was all on on board and i i gotta think he did some more things in between that and star trek i just don't recall cloverfield cloverfield which is okay wasn't bad cloverfield was awesome i loved it i I mean i know it was was the shaky camera blair witch project thing but he did it so much better and and that movie captivated me really yeah i i i I thought it was decent i mean I, i wasn't crazy about it but i thought it was decent but then when I saw, when I saw he was taking over Star Trek, I was like, okay, all right, you know, I, this sounds like a good fit. And again, you know, when I saw it, just all of my years came crashing down on me. I'm like, I'm officially old because everyone wants to tell me. I think Craig, you you're guilty of this too. Everyone wanted to tell me, well, it's a different universe, it's a different timeline. I'm fine with that, but I still want to see the characters that I know as Star Trek. Otherwise, 
don't call it Star Trek. If you're trying to go after a new audience, I can appreciate that. But is it wrong to think that maybe what you have in this venerable institution will appeal to a new audience as well? Okay? I, I think we underestimate the, 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 the new audience today. The stuff that we had, I mean, if you tell, like, look, let's look at uh, the new Superman, for example. And I know I'm guilty of doing the same thing Big Sexy just did, but the new Superman, I, I don't necessarily, I don't like him. But a lot of people do. But if you go back to the old Superman, the Christopher Reeves Superman, right? You can't tell me if you put that version of Superman in today's world of technology that people wouldn't like it. He's. A, I could tell you that. You could tell me that? Really? I mean, here's the thing. And I was going to say this about Star Trek, too. I think the thing, too, particularly with Star Trek, is the time that it came out and what it meant to society and how you responded to that right. versus today. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed, probably, to introduce Star Trek today as it was then because it's just not going to play the same because, one, you've seen so many other different things, and I think culturally the things that were important about Star Trek it isn't really that important today. Like it's not break, it's not a breakthrough to have a multiracial cast or to have women on board. You know what I mean? We've seen that now. Star Trek, the original one, broke the mold with that sort of stuff and putting a black woman up there and having, you know, dealing with these different uh, types of concepts and storylines. Today, uh, it's not that uncommon. We've seen that type of stuff because Star Trek originally did that. So it's like, well, what do you, how do you make Star Trek more relevant to today's audience without it just becoming an action movie, which is what it is, essentially what it is now, uh, what Craig said. And I don't think they're not trying to deal with that because that's more of a, a psychological or socially conscious question as opposed to, listen, we have a very, uh, we have a, a money pit, we have a money thing right here, this IP, intellectual property of Star Trek. You can put whatever, they're, th they're thinking is probably say, look, you can do whatever you want to do with it on some levels. As long as it's called Star Trek and you can check off these little boxes, then it's good. We can go get this money. Um, or you could kind of do what you were saying as well. Why don't they just create something that's almost new or go in a different direction? Now, they could do that, but I, they're probably thinking that's a risk. Why take a risk than to just get this guaranteed money? And, okay. and it's just redo the we can just redo wrath of Kong. like why you need you don't need to write nothing new let's get this money and, okay. and i think as long as people go see those movies and they're successful they're gonna keep doing that which is sad but i just think that's the reason why they would say going to your star superman thing well i don't personally i don't think that superman would necessarily play as well as it did at that particular time because we wanted to see that kind of a superman that charismatic type of dude on some levels, I don't think it would play as good today in terms of where we are as a society to have just a super, super smiling, helping cats out of the thing, Superman. I think people would be like, well, where's the fighting? And where's the, you know, they, they want to see that action type of stuff. Not to say that they won't respond to it, but I just don't think in today's climate, which is why you don't normally see a lot of superheroes acting like that. They're always kind of grim and badasses. Captain, Amer Captain America. Stuff. Captain America. Captain America's whooping ass. He's a badass. But he's still in those he, movies. Okay, but okay, we, I don't want to get sidetracked. Sure. I, your your point is taken, but let me just say this: I think I can criticize that by or counter that by saying, Star Trek, while it did break the mold in terms of of um, diversity, 
it was much more than that. It was also about, I mean, because of Star Trek, we have a generation of people today in their 50s and 60s who cre- who were are scientists that created things that we actually right. use today. I mean, who knows what minds it might spark. Uh, and, and also, it was about exploration. It was about me- meeting new people. And it, it was also about resilience, fortitude, strength. That, you know, we talk about this all the time on, on Podcast Juice. We talk about that male strength. And I know that may sound cavemanish, but I, I do believe that there's women can be just as strong as men. Let me just say no, that. I, see, I agree with everything you just said. I'm just saying, see, I, that's the thing. I don't think those, they're, they're not going to make a blockbuster movie based on those concepts. That's what I'm saying. Like, it wouldn't be, an, that's why it's an action movie. Today's sci fi movie, you, you can make The Arrival, which would be a good example, right? That's the thinking man sci-fi movie, or you can go make Star Wars or this action can, blockbuster. They're not gonna. They're, they're probably saying, "Listen, there's no way in hell we're going to make a sci-fi Star Trek thinking person's movie because they just want the fast book, and we're gonna make this an action blockbuster event movie." And I, they're probably like, "It would not play." It wouldn't be the big movie if we tried to make... St- now, I say I wish they would, but I can understand why they're not going to do that. Because, again, you have to condense it all into two hours versus taking that history that where everything you just said Star, Star Trek is, yeah, it would work, in a, I think, in a TV long-form context. But in a movie, they're probably like, no, nah, we got to make it a... It's got to be a blockbuster. We're not going to spend this kind of money on this movie if we're not going to make it a billion dollars competing with Disney. There's no way. Well, let me just say this. Okay, let, let me let me try this tack. The other thing I don't like about the new films is that there's no and and I want Craig and and Big Sexy to um, respond to this. There's no there's no sense of of institution. In other words, and again we're sticking with the Kirk films. Okay, when you saw okay the first Star Trek that we don't know what that was okay you put that aside i enjoyed it because i'm a trek fan but that was just something out of the i don't know what they hard were. sci-fi it no no right but see i'm going on another angle now when you think of kirk in the movies you you automatically think of a certain type of uniform you think of the white uh turtleneck and you think of the red the red blazer and the black pants and the black boots when I first saw them in Star Trek II, I was like, boy, those seem pretty stuffy. But I got used to it, and, and they maintained that all the way through Star Trek VI. You got a sense of protocol. You got a sense, as a Star Trek fan, I, I would think that anyone who saw Star Trek, the movies, you got a sense of, okay, when you approach an unknown object in space, first thing you do, you raise your shields. For, next thing you do, open hailing frequencies. You announced that you are Feder- the Federation Starship Enterprise. Uh, uh, there, there was there was a certain sense of um, mythology. There was a certain sense of this is the procedure, and they they it tracks through all of the series, all the movies. You got a sense of who was allowed to go on an away mission. You you it was clearly written in stone that you you knew whose responsibility it was to do what. You had you had your con. You had um, you had the science officer, you had your uh, navigation officer, you had your um, what was Uhura the um, ah, I can't think of her title, 
Um, you had communications. communications. You had communication. You had a chief engineer. You had a doctor, a medical doctor who could override the captain, who actually had more power than the captain. So all this stuff tracked through. You had a cottage industry, encyclopedias, where you could look stuff up and know that this was Trek canon. Forget about the books. I'm just talking about the movies and the TV show. You had tech manuals. You had all the stuff that you that let you knew you it was a self-contained uh sustaining universe and i love that about trek now you go to the new treks okay i, I don't what okay other than the 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 outfits that they wear on the bridge which are similar to what they wore on the bridge in the, in the original series okay what, what what is he wearing on that away mission what is that jacket where'd that come from why is he wearing a gray jacket over here when he's in starfleet what is that is that the uniform what, what's the uniform What's the uniform when he goes on an away mission? How come we didn't um how come we didn't ask about the warp nacelles? How come there's no how come the engineer how come engineering looks like a, a factory down on the river in uh Podunk, Ohio? Where is the where is the dilithium chamber? Where is the vertical warp core? There's no there's no uh, Mark, big sexy, help, help me out. You know what I'm saying? There's no there's Substan no scientific basis at all. There's no scientific basis, but there, and there's also nothing that I can point to that says that's how they do it in Trek. That's how they do it when this situation happens. That's how they do it when that. Now, of course, we don't want it to be stale, but I love the fact that you know what's you you kind of know what procedures are when you when something happens on any iteration of Trek outside of these new movies. I mean, can you guys talk to that? Well, it's like you said, you know, it's aimed at an audience that is the lowest common denominator. They're not going to have the appreciation of having things explained. This works, and this is why this works. You know, that's one thing the original series and Star Trek does generally to explain why this works, you know, and whatnot. Whereas this was, it's like, get up, let's go, we'll figure it out later. And that's just lazy. You know, it goes with the whole premise of lazy storytelling. I can jump in and say that there was. I'm going I'm to tie my statement back to a, an old. Um, it's it's not the Twilight Zone. It was the Canadian version. But what what was that? Uh, can't remember the name of that series. It's not sort of, remember the Canadian? No, no, no. It was a Canadian Twilight Zone. It was. Um, hmm. ah, I can't remember now. But anyway, there was a story in there, and the writer of that story actually sued James Cameron because he said that the Terminator was based on the story. Oh, wow. But if you watch that, if you watch the story, it's a very cool story about a soldier that travels back in time, and uh, when they when they talk to him, he seems to be talking another language, but they eventually re realize that he's talking English, but he's talking it so fast and so abbreviated that they they can barely understand it. Hmm. So the so the concept being that the older humans get, the faster they talk and the more abbreviated languages that they, that they use. And that sort of goes into storytelling these days. Everything is faster paced, edited more quickly, and that kind of thing. So my, my thing is that they can still do that with Star Trek today, but they can still keep the old concepts that all of us here grew up on, the lore and the, the mythology of Star Trek. They don't have to throw it away. I think there's a way to, do, to have it as a balanced storytelling where you can still pace it faster, maybe you can have more action, but you can keep keep the old concepts and the stories and the the lore of star trek that's my opinion now they haven't done that but i think you could do that i'm sure there's a writer and uh 
you know, a, a company that could do that and, and make a Star Trek that still lived up to the, still made the millennials happy, but still kept us happy. Now, yeah. okay. go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say gonna one say thing it. too. I think that um, the person to do what Craig just said would have to be like that sort of outliner out of the Roddenberry camp or family who was really lives it and wants to push it to do that. Because I think the problem with Star Trek is that it now sort of falls onto people like J.J. Abrams. And again, their probably only vested interest into doing it is one, to get a check. Two, they probably do have a love for it in some degree, but it's not like this is my baby. You know what I'm saying? I didn't write the Bible of Star Trek and can make sure that it is exactly what it needs to be and I can oversee this whole thing. And so I think, man, it, it fell into the hands of where it's like it's it's just such a, a hot commodity type of like if you put Star Trek on it, oh, yeah, we can do another TV series or we can do another thing. But where's the person? Where's the maybe you guys know that where's that Kevin Feige guy? Where's that person that's just strict to like, no, it must have these core things and it has to tie back deeply into the roots of it. And there has to be like a, a group of people that this core job, right? is to make sure that it all fits really tight. And I hate to compare it, but like you would look at a Star Wars, like they're not gonna let nothing come out that all of it can't be like interconnected and like, oh, that character was in that little part in the TV series and now he's in the movie or blah, blah, blah. And it's so tightly woven, even down to the books and the comics that it's all the same story. And you can't just come out with something that will look like a Klingon. Like, why the fuck does he look like that? If it doesn't, you know, if they need to have some sort of cohesive thing where it's controlled and i question do they actually have well, that that's a good that's a good i think that's an excellent question i don't know how uh you big sexy and craig i don't know how you feel about that i don't know that they, that person exists anymore it would have been berman yeah. but um the, when i see the closest person who is the vanguard if that's the right word for star trek it would be um the guy who's worked well he dropped out but um brian fuller who um, he started on, he wrote for Deep Space Nine, he wrote for Voyager, he was a showrunner. Um, I don't know, I, Nicholas Meyer, who basically, I think Nicholas Meyer is the guy who saved Star Trek with Star Trek Two. I don't know how old he is now, um, but I don't know if he's involved anymore. I haven't seen his name. Oh, you're talking about, you know what, I think he is involved. I don't know why I know this, but. Nicholas Meyer with the Discovery? Oh, okay. I'm thinking of the guy who directed Wrath of Khan or had or wrote it or something. That's him. I think yeah. Oh, okay, I think yeah. he's involved in this this new show. I was gonna sworn I saw his name on that Trek page you guys were talking about. But go ahead, I'll look for it. Uh, yeah, well, I, maybe I maybe I missed it. I did I did not see his name. If he is involved, I, I hope so because he would probably be the the inheritor of what what Trek is. But uh, is it? I mean, I, I that's a good point. I don't know if there's anyone. Because Brian Fuller, even though he was a writer for Trek, I don't know how how much of a fanboy he is. Maybe that's unfair. But, uh, like, for example, with the Avengers, Joss Whedon. Okay, you know, despite how I felt about that movie, you know that movie's going to bring in a lot of people because he is a fanboy. He admits to it. I don't know if there's anyone that's stewarding Trek like that. Can you guys think of anyone? First of all, what happened, and I don't... I don't know this. Is Rick Berman still with us? 
I don't know. I'll look it up real quick. But I, I got to say, he's up there in age. He's probably sitting on a beach somewhere. <laughs> so they could have at least had him come on as an EP or something just to be that guy like Mike mentioned, that Kevin Feige guy would be like, you know what? No, this doesn't work here. No, don't do this. Don't do that. You know, have some input because without that one person who is going to really be the protector of the canon, <coughs> we get what we get. We get J.J. Abrams doing his crap with no one to really oversee that. And that's a problem. Also, it could be that J.J. Abrams, because regardless of what I think of his work, he's got a name and he's got some pull. So we could have put that in his contract saying, you know what? I get final say. Okay. If you don't like it, I won't do it. Well, I can put all that to rest. Wikipedia. <laughs> the poor man's, you know, Oxford Dictionary. In 2005, Berman was involved in developing an 11th Star Trek movie based on a script written by, again, Eric Gingerson. We talked about him before. Uh, however, when Gail Berman, and he, there is no relation there. She took over as president of Paramount Pictures. That script was shelved. And in subsequent months, Berman began hinting that his involvement with Star Trek was drawing to a close, stating in November that when they re-energize the franchise, it's going to be the result of someone fresh. That means young and millennial. Someone who has not ex been, ex listen to this, someone who has not been extensively involved with Star Trek. In mid-2006, Berman stated he would no longer be involved in producing Star Trek. Since his departure, Berman has indicated he is still involved in television production, as well as projects not connected to the television business. But, on a good note, he has also stated an interest in writing a memoir of his experiences of Star Trek. He can take my money right now. When it, if that comes out, I'm getting it. But so there you go. Um, the guy who basically picked up the mantle. Ironically, he's kind of like J.J. Abrams to Abrams Lucas in terms of Abrams, you know, dumping Star Trek and moving over to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, now let's talk. I mean, let's talk. Let's briefly talk about the actors. Now, when I saw Chris Pine, okay, Mike's gonna get at me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a good-looking dude. Uh, he's got that look that, you know, that and. We as African Americans say this, you know, with a with with an asterisk. He's got that all American look. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's got that look. He's got, you know, that that square jawed, um, blue eyed kind of thing that you expect to see in pop culture today. Um, and he looked like a suitable fit for William Shatner in terms of physical appearance. Uh, I I got on board with Zachary. Quinto, Quinto, or Quinto, however you pronounce it. I did not. Okay, I, I feel you on that. I, I understand that. Because the problem with him is that he thinks that showing a lack of emotions means just showing a scowl, which is not the case. <laughs> I mean, Leonard Nimoy, you see you see Quinto's performance, and you realize how brilliant Leonard Nimoy's performance was. You even look at um, Tim Russ as Tuvok, the Vulcan. Same thing. Yeah. I love that character. All he did was scowl, though. Leonard Nimoy put his foot on that role as a non-emotional character. And you look at Uhura. I mean, okay, Zoe Saldana, I'm not a huge fan, so moving on. <laughs> the thing about uh, Zachary Quinto is that he became very good friends with Leonard Nimoy, and, you know, from what they say to each other, you know, they always said that Leonard Nimoy coached Zachary Quinto a lot on what's, what it means to play Spock and the, and the lore of Spock and what what it means to be Spock. So I'm surprised to hear you guys say that he doesn't play it very well because he's been coached by the original Spock. Yeah, well, 
that's why he was that's why Leonard Nimoy was an actor, not a coach. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought he was fine personally, but I uh, he all he just seemed like he had a chip on his shoulder the whole time. And mm. I, I saw no nuance in that character in his portrayal at all. And you know, we're not even going to get into into darkness. I think Mike you you said it best. That all the characterizations went out the window when when Uhura put her hand up and to the captain was like, "Can I have a second, please?" <laughs> I don't believe I don't believe in uh, domestic abuse. <laughs> so my, my take on the on the new crew is the, I'm, I'm probably going to disappoint you, Mike, but I think that the original trio, you know, Kirk, Spock, and Bones from uh-huh. the original series. Yeah, I think that the the trio now they play it very well. Uh, I I think that the Carl Urban's take on Bones is very much like the original. Okay, Bones, no, no, no. I, I'll give so, you yeah, Carl so Urban. Call Ur- no, now he is the one character, but I gotta say, it's almost like he's just—it's almost he's so much like uh, DeForest Kelly. I'm almost like, okay, there's got to be a middle ground. It's almost like he's just doing an imitation. It's a good imitation, but it's almost like, okay, you can bring some of your own nuance, your own uh, actors' choices to this role. But mm. okay, I will give you—I I will give you that. I'll give you that. I just feel like the the camaraderie that makes Kirk, Spock, and Bones, and I said this on the very first show, probably the top three sci-fi characters ever, okay? I, I That camaraderie was not there in the first one, and they played around it at the end of the first one, like, okay, now in the next one. Mike, you know what I'm talking about. They do this with the X-Men. Oh, in the next one, you're going to see them suited and booted, and they, they're going to look like X-Men. <laughs> They did that at the end of this one, where okay, we're gonna. I, I walked out of that theater thinking, okay, I'm gonna see Spock, Bones, and Kirk getting it in in the second one. No, it was a reset. They still bitching and whining like little bitches with each other. Wow. And and so that's why, that's why Mike, you hit it on the head, in that god awful scene, where Kirk is in the uh, radiation chamber or the the warp chamber. And we get uh, Spock. Ah, get the f*** out of here. <laughs> well, I kind of agree with Craig. Now, I agree with what you're saying. I just think that they're written, the story and the events that happened are not earned. I actually have no problem with the actual actors. None of them, I don't feel like the core three, to me, they are those characters. It's just the way, what they have them doing. I don't agree with, but I think they actually nailed their their acting abilities are good. I, to be Chris Pine, when given the right material, he's a he's a good actor. I, you know, I even like he, the guy he, from Heroes. He is. I just think that they're not. Uh, I have a problem with the writing and the story. I actually okay. don't have a problem with the actors personally. Well, let me ask you this, and this is going to be difficult. As, this is going to be a difficult conversation to navigate because I'm not in the habit of judging men. <laughs> Why <But>, you? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I, I I contend that there are no more leading men in Hollywood. Maybe Tom Cruise, Harrison Ford, but he's getting up there. George Clooney, he's getting up there. Uh, Tom Hanks, he's definitely up there. But there are no there are no men looking men in Hollywood anymore. Chris Pine, good-looking guy. You know, I wouldn't want to try to fight him. He looks pretty fit, right? 
He does what not. What do you mean by leading man? I'm, okay, I'm gonna explain. He doesn't. A guy who looks like a man. <laughs> okay. He, you don't think like the Rock looks like a man? Oh well, okay. So you get okay. Uh, I'll put him on that list of uh, you know of uh, the list. I did say there were a few. I I, I I forgot the Rock, but he does not. He looks like a little boy to me. They all look like children to me. They don't look. Am I making any sense? They don't look like leading people to me. Uh, you put William Shatner in his prime as Kirk up against Chris Pine, and Chris Pine looks like a little boy. Same well, with that's the trend though nowadays. Everybody wants to skew down to that <clears throat> appearance and demographic of uh, you know millennials, and they want everyone to be younger and younger. It's, it's happening in comic books. It's happening everywhere. See, but but and, and, and I hate it. Carl Urban, he looks like a guy. He looks like that dude that could get into. But he's playing a doctor of all of all people. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think you're right about that. He looks well, like I... that dude that could mix it up. But Pine. Good looking, pretty boy. Okay, but doesn't look like there's anything much more there. Now I will say, he said I forget where I read this. He said that he did not want to emulate William Shatner's Kirk. He wanted to do more of um, kind of an Indiana Jones version. See, right there, there's a problem. Well, when there you go. And take something that has been established over X years. Directors do it all the time. Actors do it. They'll take what's coming before them. Well, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put my own spin on it and fuck it up. There we go. Shout out to Josh yeah. Trank. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Mike, you about to say something? Well, I, I was going to say, I think, too, some of it possibly could be because I think when those people that you mentioned, some of them, you were younger when you uh, sort of go. got into them. <laughs> and I think a lot, because I, I understand what you're saying. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm probably a lot older than those guys you mentioned that are currently out there today. And so I don't see them. I, I see them as something. You know, I'm not going to say the sons, but. I see them the same as me or younger. I don't, because I'm used to seeing from when I was older, you know, Harrison Ford and uh, Kirk, Spock, and all these guys. They were older than me, so of course I looked at them. You know, they were grown ass men to me. Uh, I never saw them as younger dudes. I can only imagine the people, the kids of today that were our age when we got into a lot of stuff that we're talking about. They don't see these guys as younger type of guys. They're older to them. If you're 16. Or younger now, and you're watching these movies of today. Most of these guys are your seniors. You know, you're looking at the guy who, you know, the Robert Downey Juniors, the the Captain Americas. You know, I'm talking about the you know the stuff that's very popular to them, the Vin Diesels, and, and all these kind of guys. These guys are a lot older to the the younger audience of today that these movies are actually being made for. So I don't think they have that. I think what you're talking about, some of it has to do with your age now, and that you're a lot older than these stars are of today. Damn, because yeah. I don't, I mean, Bradley Cooper. Uh, yeah, here's another one. Christopher he's an, yeah. Pine. Uh, not Bre Chris Pine, but was, uh, the guy used to play Batman. And even Ben Affleck and different stuff like that. I mean, to a younger guy watching these movies, they don't they don't see them as young boys. But, you, okay, uh, Mike, you, you're right. They don't see, you know what I mean? So, I don't that, know. Okay, listen, that's a good point. So, let me, let me, let me say this. I'm still going to say that they don't have those, they don't have that manly attribute that you saw in, when we were coming up in the 80s watching Indiana Jones and and all those movies. So maybe you, you raise a good point, okay? I can't debate that. Maybe that's the case. But I can say that it's just in their mannerisms. They have this these manner. They don't act like men. Like, okay, 
let's talk about like, who, who are you speaking about specifically. Okay, I'm just gonna say um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Chris Pine. <clears throat> um, now I tended to like Star Trek Beyond because I saw a gelling of the characters in in a relationship that that I'm used to, like Bones and Spock. Um, when they crash land on the planet and Spock is injured, they're they're going at each other, but you can tell there is a res- mutual respect, and that is that is reminiscent of the original Kirk and uh, Kirk Bones and Spock. You, you you saw um, Kirk actually for the first time acting like he gave a damn about his ship, because in the original with with William Shatner Kirk, you don't f- with his ship. I mean, give it to him. Not with my ship, you don't, Mister. That was the Kirk. That was Kirk. You st- now, was that a younger Kirk? Is he is he being played younger in, in these first three movies than we normally saw Kirk, or is it the same age? I, I don't he's that playing, I don't know. I'm thinking he's playing him younger. Because well, you know, the cast looks like a bunch of teenagers. Exactly. That's well, what I'm I mean, they're coming right out of flight school. Didn't they just kind of graduate? Which is also ridiculous. Position? Which is also exactly. ridiculous. They well, come around. To us, they look younger, but that's like you were saying, Michael. That's that's the perspective we're coming from. But I think they're the same age. You go back and look at how old William Shatner was when he played Kirk. He was very young. Was he in his twenties or thirties? You know. I'll look we, it up. We can look, I mean, it's not a big deal. But here's the point I'm making. They ha- like, If you think back to Star Trek Beyond, if you remember the scene, the very first scene where Kirk is delivering some sort of artifact to these, they look like gargoyles. He's in this dark cave, and these gargoyles are looking overhead. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that they're no bigger than Tribbles. Remember that scene? Yeah. Okay. And, big Sexy, Craig, y'all remember that scene? Oh, yeah. Remember how Kirk was behaving when he was delivering that he was he was act he was not acting like a strong representative of the Federation. He was acting like a kid who was asked to do asked to give a stand up in front of class and give his school report, his term paper. If mm. you think about the beginning of um of Into Darkness, which maybe we're more familiar with. When they're on that planet with the aliens with the white faces and the Enterprise, don't tell me how this is possible, please. It's underwater, for God's sake. And they're running through the forest trying to get to the Enterprise. Remember that scene? And, and, the, and the natives are chasing them? Anybody there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we remember. Okay. Um, I, I wouldn't blame you if you forgot because it sucked. He's not <laughs> acting like Kirk. Kirk doesn't run, for the most part. He doesn't run, at least not like that. No, like for that. one last thing, I like I, that. I, I'm going to shut up. Here's one idea I think they may be doing with these movies. I think these movies are sort of, and again, as Craig hit earlier, these these are action movies. And I actually think these are movies that would follow uh, what they call the hero's journey. And in that sort of story tropes, it's always the lead protagonist guy is is sort of younger plays and he's always like learning to become that thing that he's going to be at the end and i think even through the course of these three movies particularly the first one that is played like that you know it's played where he's put into some uh, a situation that he has to deal with oh, oh your dad died you have to be that man you got to be the new captain and we're going to groom you and he's got to go through all these things and and finally kind of come out and i actually i did that 
And, and it's sort of written where you were cheering for him to become this thing. And I think all through those movies, it's still an element of that. And actually, I don't, I don't ever think that the original Star Trek stuff is presented in a hero's journey because all those characters were established when those first movies started, right? It wasn't uh, about them becoming something. It was about these journeys, as you said, exploring and different things. And that's why I think these new movies are written totally different just at their core. And this is my opinion. They're written totally different. And so the story structure and the way that these characters are presented, kind of what your point is, it, it's on that. It's not on their established people. It's They're still pushing these movies as these are adventures and you're going to root for the guy and he's going to save the day and blah, blah, blah. And he's still unsure of himself sometimes. And then he becomes sure at the very end. It's following these very specific tropes, which I think is what you, your problem with it is. And which I can agree with you. That's not Star Trek. But as I said earlier, these movies I don't think are actually made, even at their core, they're not even made to the principles that Star Trek was built on. Well, you know what? These movies come out, if if they make a deal to do additional movies, they come out every three years, two to three years. Chris Pine's already done three of them. Who knows how many more he's going to do? I'm 50 years old. I ain't got time for them to be building up to what I what I recognize. I need to have it happen. I need it now. <laughs> Which I think maybe the TV series might be more in line to traditional, you know, values and core of what Star Trek is, because you're not going to follow a hero's journey on a TV show, right? It's, it's episodic storytelling, and each show almost has to stand on its own. You know, well, see, that's another whole topic. I, I'm starting to have some some concerns about the TV show, uh, how what tone it's going to strike, because even though I may disagree with you, you do raise some some good points that are they going to go back to what made truck popular for us, us old heads who grew up with uh, TNG, TOS, DS9, all those shows. Are they, since it's set in the prime universe, as far as I'm aware, set in the prime universe, are they going to give us that same tone or is it too late for that? Are they going to give us the Justin Lin treatment? You know the Fast and Furious treatment, which we got on Star Trek Beyond. So, I mean, what do you got? What do you guys think about that? What kind of tone do you think we're going to get from Discovery? You know, I'm a little concerned. Hopefully, it will do it, but it'll work. But you know, these initial early things, like with the Klingons, and I don't know. Hey, hey, big sexy, can you hold for a sec, Mike? Are you still there? Yes. All right. You, you have to run. Yeah, unfortunately, I only had one hour. Oh, uh, okay. To commit, man. I hate to do it, but so listen, man. It was an honor having you on the show. I, I listen. I'm not trying to gush, but this this show wouldn't exist if not for you kicking me in my behind and saying get up there and get on the mic. So um, I want to thank you for that. Um, man, thanks for having me. You guys, you guys got it, man. This is a, a great show, and uh, I was trying to keep up with you. So and shout out to Craig, man. Nice meeting you. Uh, definitely a hey, stay in touch. All right. Well, hey, man. Uh, I will be listening. Of course, I will be. But uh, I'll check you guys later. Thanks for having me on again. All right. Take care. Thanks, Michael. All right. All right, Mike. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was Michael Dean. Again, check him out on the Michael Dean Show, which you can find on podcastjuice.net. You can find Big Sexy and myself on that show, as well as the Prince Podcast. Um, now, he just beamed off of the station. Um, Craig, you did have the teleporters reworked, right? We're not going to have anything like in the first Star Trek. You'll movie. be alive at the other side, yes. Okay, good, good, good. So, listen, um, we are just about at um, 
dry dock or space dock, I should say. Um, anything else about this? Where do we stand with this? Just give me your final thoughts. Well, it's like you said, you know, with with uh, our friend Sean Hill. Shout out to Sean. We're gonna have to wait and see, but. That Klingon picture does concern me now. Obviously, there's no context around it. They're sitting in the commissary, you know, getting their snacks on. So I don't know if it's like a future shot or something, but I don't know, man. I'm concerned. All right, and, what, and, and your thoughts on um, any final thoughts on comparing the Kelvin universe versus the Prime universe? There's no comparison. The, the Kelvin universe is inferior. It is written inferior. But they're not trying to maintain that standard either. They're taking it. They're taking shortcuts. You know, they're just retelling what you know we already know happened. So it's it's a knockoff. That's what it is. It's a knockoff. Craig, final thoughts? Yeah, it's a bad knockoff. But um, if if they do have another movie in the Kelvin universe, what's wrong with having a Captain Kirk Prime? Why is there no love for Captain Kirk Prime? There's Spock Prime. There's no Kirk Prime. We need to have a Kirk Prime. Or even, well, we can't have a Bones Prime because, well, the actor's dead, but uh, we could certainly have a Kirk Prime. But and, now, as I said the, before, you know, I, I, I don't like the way they tell the stories, but I'm, I'm more of a original series slash, well, the original universe where they're telling stories as opposed to just action. That's my final thought. In regards to why they can't have a Kirk Prime, have you seen William Shatler lately? <laughs> But he's old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I, I am a bit portly myself, so and I struggle with my weight. But, dude, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know how actors let themselves go like that. When you when you when you're rich, I mean, I would be hiring personal trainers and nutritionists, and so they would want to have me back on the show. <laughs> Well, I think I think he does try and get back in shape once uh, you know once a role comes up, but he hasn't done anything in a while, so he doesn't need to, right? He's yeah. he's he's aging now, and was he? He's close to eighty now, right? Eighty-five, I think. Is oh, he eighty-five? Shit. I don't know well, he was born in nineteen thirty-one, so you can holy do the math. shit, dude! He, <laughs> he's not he's not coming on any show. Forget that. <laughs> well, he uh, you know what? For eighty-five, God bless him. Whether he overweight or not, he. He looks good for 85, you know, so I take all that back. Yeah, um, so, yeah, my final thoughts are I'm an old head. I'm, I'm a trick from back in the back in the day. Um, Michael Dean put it best that, you know, or, or maybe it was you, Craig. These up these movies are good if you go in not thinking that they're Trek. But I find I cannot make that distinction because they all have the same character names. They try to look like them. It's called Star Trek. So I cannot make that distinction so i am i'm not thrilled with where they've gone with it i did like the last one because i'm it's only because it's starting to look like what i recognize uh and i just hope that with the new show star trek discovery now this klingon photo does not give me reason for much hope i hope that the tone kind of strikes a balance between pleasing the audience of today which will which ironically they're going to put this online which is probably where most of the today's audience views their content i hope they find that that good balance between that audience and the, and us the people who have been supporting star trek since 1975 or whatever 77 so well all right gentlemen that's gonna wrap it up for this five-year mission it felt like five years right <laughs> <laughs> 
So, all right. Thanks again to Michael Ding. Thanks to Craig J. And thanks to Big Sexy. We are out of here. See you later. Star Trek. Nothing but Star Trek. Really? <laughs> <laughs>